should we maybe all three watch Hell on Wheels and then just become a, a only Hell on Wheels podcast? Golly, I'd love that. I'd love that. Trio on Wheels, maybe? We can talk about Common. Common is in that, yeah. Common. Oh, the Common cast. Common. We could also just become the official podcast of Common. Yeah, he doesn't have a podcast guy yet, right? He does now. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. We are the Arnies, and we have nothing better to do than be here with you. I'm Austin Terry, and I'm joined, as always, by my best friends and my co-host, Matt Johnson and Keith Baker. Matt, how you doing? Pretty good. Really excited to talk about Suicide Squad today. Oh, well, that's not today's episode. Oh, Keith? man. <laughs> Keith, what about you? How you doing? Doing good. Just got out of a CVS. I was there for two hours just to get one prescription nice it's good being back here talking to you guys i had to go to the dentist this morning to get a mouth guard because i guess i'm grinding my teeth now and it took me 15 minutes man people really they're gonna come for the topics but they're gonna stay for the dental talk i know i will do a whole other episode on that we'll combine that we'll combine that in aquaman (laughs) (laughs) save it for the dental podcast all right yeah we're getting to that big announcement coming soon Well, just like the rest of the world, here on the Arnie's, we are all in lockdown due to COVID-19. So today, we're going to do a little bit more of a laid-back episode. We're just going to hang out. We're going to talk some video games, uh, talk about some shows we caught up on and some movies we saw to stay entertained during lockdown. Matt, it kind of feels like show and tell today, don't you think? A little bit. I think this was kind of the original idea for this show as well. Kind of just talking about the stuff that we had either done or watched or played during the week just to... So I know we kind of started this on the basis of just having, you know, the casual chill conversations that we have like day to day, just doing it on a podcast, except now instead of week to week, it's kind of cool that we're just doing an entire coronavirus one. Like what have we been doing in lockdown? What have we been watching? How do we entertain ourselves? So it turns out it was a pretty long list. Like you guys said, we we did get to start catching up on some video games. Um, so what's kind of the what's the, I guess the main game that we've been playing? I guess it's at first it was PUBG, right? How, how long have we been playing that? I mean, we started playing that when it first. Was it yeah, been two years? It's been two years probably, but yeah, it was a little bit more sporadic. And then when lockdown happened, it was like every night. Yeah, now it's yeah. like more like how it was when we were in high school. Like in high yeah. school, basically, we would go home from school after all our. We all had like different extracurricular activities. We would go home from that, like do homework and whatever. And then pretty much like after dinner, if I remember right, you know, we would just play Xbox for a couple hours maybe. And that was like every day for the most part. And yeah, like as we got older, like into college and then now that we're all graduated, you know, maybe like honestly, conservatively, probably once every two weeks, maybe it was like once on like the weekend maybe, but yeah, now it's like maybe every other night. <laughs> it's like it does feel very yeah. high school in a way, but you yeah. know, it's, it's it's kind of always been our way to stay in touch. We're not big like you know video like FaceTime. We don't really do that. We don't call each other that much on the phone. We do text, but I mean Xbox was always the way. You know, we usually would stay in touch and talk like about how you've been doing. Yeah, I, th- I think that's one of the great things about 
video games is it does make an easy way to hang out and you don't have to be in the same place. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's been, always been a great part about it. Um, that's always, but yeah, it's also been perfect for the current situation because you don't exactly, have to leave yeah. at home. That's what I was thinking. Um, but yeah, to uh, to you know, to your guys's point, PUBG was kind of that was what we were playing like before quarantine. Like that's kind of what we would be doing whenever we would hop on because it was just a fun game that we could all play together. We were never like really good at PUBG, but then no. like right at the start of lockdown when we were playing more, I thought, man, we're getting really good. And yeah. then I found out they added bots because nobody's playing that game anymore. <laughs> oh man. I, I literally remember one night, I don't, it must've been in quarantine at some point, but we were playing it. And I guess for people that don't know, PUBG is just, it's like, it was the Fortnite before Fortnite. And now nobody cares about PUBG anymore, which is fine. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just like one of those like Hunger Games type games where you're all hundred people, like players from all over the world in a plane, they drop on an island and you just want to be the last person standing. There's guns, weapons, and there's just like a circle constantly coming in. It's getting smaller and smaller and you just want to be the last person standing or the last team standing in our case. Um, but yeah, to the, <laughs> the point about bots, I remember one night so vividly because I was just like, man, I got 11 kills and there's only a hundred people max in a, like in a game session. So I was like, I killed over one tenth of these players. I'm, I'm incredible. And it was the next day that Austin texted our group message saying that PUBG is all bots. Now <laughs> I'm just like, ah, <laughs> which makes sense. All those guys are just standing still. You're like, Oh wow. These guys aren't even moving or anything like that. The moment I was just like, ah, I'm just moving so quick. They don't even seem like they're moving. In my <laughs> yeah, <head."> me too. <laughs> Me too. I was like, man, I've, I've just gotten so good. Like, like it was the first online game I actually felt good at. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it ended up working out, though, because while PUBG, I guess, we still enjoy it to an extent. We still have played it, like, recently in quarantine. But as our, I guess, interest has started to dwindle a little bit from how it was in the beginning, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare dropped, you know, Warzone, which is there battle royale so we just have kind of recently been getting into that which i think i can speak for all of us that we seem to well we definitely rage a bit more in it than we do in stuff like PUBG. i do think we've been having a really good time playing it i've never not raged in any cod game i've always been the entire time i'm playing in a cod game i don't know maybe that's also one of those high school things it just like forces that younger self out or just little shit like that just dying in a video game was the worst thing that could happen to you <laughs> it's even worse than call of duty because it, the camera stays on your dead body and you see a it's probably a five-year-old on the other end just teabagging <laughs> your dead cord. Uh, it really is like that <laughs> it happens it just the camera like is just your corpse and it kind of zooms out a little bit and you just see like somebody kind of walk out of nowhere and start circling your body to pick up all your stuff and you're just like oh god Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we all do it. It's so I've really been enjoying Warzone. Um, for anybody that hasn't played it, it has a really cool feature where they drop a loadout, which is kind of like the care package in uh, PUBG. But it drops a loadout, and if you can get to it, you can get all of your own like customized weapons and stuff. And so that forces you to play the other multiplayer modes to level up your guns. Um, so it's a smart feature that they did just for the game itself. But then when you can actually get to that in the actual war zone, it feels so important. Oh, also, yeah, definitely. It does feel, at least for me, a little bit more strategic than some of the other battle royales I've played. But also, we got to mention, um, Austin, I don't know how long the game has been out. I guess it must have come out the end of last year. But it's Austin like and I, yeah, so we, we got the game originally because 
We wanted to play the story because we were playing, you know, Modern Warfare along with Keith back in high school. So this was kind of a reboot of that story with some of the same characters. So we got it originally to play the story, a little bit of the multiplayer and the spec ops mode, which we were really excited about that ended up not really being that fun for us, at least. Anybody who is a fan of Modern Warfare 2 knows how great Spec Ops was. Yeah, man, we had we had a blast with those. But the cool thing about what they did here is that Warzone came out, and then I found out it didn't really apply to me because I had the game already. But Austin and I were pretty excited about it. But this Warzone, this entire new mode, like it feels like almost like a full game in a sense, this Battle Royale mode, is completely free. And it's a standalone product, basically. So you, you can just get it if you have the game already. But then Keith, who didn't have the game, was able to you know, play with us at no cost to him, which is a pretty cool idea. Yeah, you know our boy Keith, he loves his free stuff. Hell yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm cheap when it comes to video games, especially the COD games. I know I suck at them. And for reasons mentioned earlier, I just get too mad in those games. So, But I, I do like the Battle Royale version of it, though. I'll have to admit that. I think I just like that overall concept of the game in general, which is mm-hmm. why I really fell in love with PUBG. I mean, we played the shit out of that game. Yeah, and I'm still playing that game. Like, and even if you guys aren't there, I'm still playing like solo and all that. Mm-hmm. I still love that game. But no, it's been good to get into Warzone and challenge myself video game wise. I've always kind of sucked ass at video games, so <laughs> it's been good to get out of my comfort zone and play that. Especially a first person game because I'm not really, I've never really been into first person games too much. Um, as soon as I kind of saw where Lockdown was headed. I finally went ahead and bought a PS4 because um, there were a ton of games I've been waiting to play. And I just said, always own an Xbox. And so, you know, the PS4 has always had the better exclusive games. So I finally got one of those. And the first thing I played was God of War. And man, I don't think a game has sucked me in like that in a long time. No, God of War is cool. Um, it's basically a reboot of a really, you know, popular PS2 era, I guess PS3 as well, franchise, you know, just. The God of War Kratos, it's basically just his revenge mission. He hates the gods, so you're just trying to kill, you know, Ares, Zeus, Poseidon, all the gods or whatever for wronging you. And this was a reboot. It's kind of, it's basically God of War 4, but it's much more of like a serious kind of more mature story and uh, almost like less of a focus on combat and more on story. But it's pretty cool. Um, it's really great. Uh, the characters and the relationships between them was always so interesting. You are escorting his son, um, and his son's actually really well acted by the voice actor, um, and he can like shoot bow and arrows while you're in combat, so he's like actually super useful too. Like you kind of think it's annoying if you found that in the video game, you're just like escorting this eight year old kid with you the whole time, but he's actually a really interesting character. I would somehow fuck it up and like kick the kid off a cliff or something. <laughs> yeah, you'd find a way. You'd find a way. This was this coming from the guy that whenever we lent him Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, he got to like the Brotherhood part of the game where it's like, okay, go recruit an assassin. And he was just he had to quit because he just couldn't do it. He kept accidentally knocking them off like cliffs. <laughs> like they would die. <laughs> I can't do it, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, God of War I played when that when that when that one came out, and that was definitely a highlight for sure. Just such it's a the only it's the only open world game I've played where I felt the need to do like everything. Like I've never felt the need to do like collectibles and stuff, but in this game, I don't know what it was, but it made me want to do like, I basically play every, every part of this game that I could. Yeah. Just all the collectibles added to the world instead of just being like random things that the developers put in there just so you can 
feel the need to collect something. Like these were like destroying Odin's ravens who are kind of watching the world like from above. And you know what that means is, you know, the importance of gods and how they operate in this world. So destroying those, finding these like tapestries that show both the future and past that could like, you know, happen in this world. And yeah, I mean, they just really found a way to make everything really compelling. And this coming from someone that played God of War three and that was it. So it's like, I didn't even have the full knowledge of the series, but I still, they did such a good job of setting it up anyway with this reboot that it was just a blast. Um, so the other game I also got caught up on was The Last of Us. And that I know you also played this during the pandemic too. Yeah, I played it for, I had it for so long. I had it ever since I got the PS4 originally. I bought it like that same day. And um, yeah, so for whatever reason, I guess it must've been like whenever some of the like, the main trailers for Last of Us 2 were coming out. I was like, okay, I've had the game, so I know Last of Us 2 is coming soon. This is before I got delayed, and I was like, this is it. I'm going to play it. And I, <laughs> it took the pandemic to do it. Like, it was right at the beginning of quarantine, which was kind of a, I'm sure you agree, it was kind of an interesting way to play that game, which is oh, yeah. such a focus on, I mean, I mean, that game is really about a post-apocalyptic almost world, and a world that kind of, ended and so many people died because of a you know a pandemic that wasn't fixed essentially yeah yeah i have i have a really kind of weird relationship with this game because i found out it was coming out in 2013 and i was super excited for it and then i found out it was going to be a a ps3 exclusive at the time um and i couldn't justify buying a second console for one game so i have basically waited seven years and avoided every single spoiler that could potentially come out for this game like for the past seven years anything anything that had the last of us in the title on like on social media i just wouldn't even look at like i did everything i could to avoid spoilers now i finally got to play it and it was worth the wait yeah did it live up to the hype for you it took me a second to get into it which i was kind of surprised by um but i think once i got through like the first like 30 minutes i was super into the game like as soon as yeah. you actually get into the combat it, it hooks it sucks you in and you just kind of can't stop playing yeah, I feel the same way. It took me a little bit to get into it. But yeah, I mean, it's actually kind of, it has similarities with God of War. I mean, it's just about this guy living in like 20 years into the end of the world in a way after this pandemic wiped out most of the, you know, planet's population or whatever, living in a quarantine zone in the U.S. And then they end up finding out that this young girl, uh, she's been bitten, but she isn't turning into the infected. So she might be a cure. So it's basically like a cross-country road trip to get her to these people that might be able to manufacture a cure kind of about you know the relationship these two bond along the way and uh kind of the some of the good people and the bad people they meet along the way and kind of like uncharted i mean the gameplay is good it's not great but i mean really you know you're here for the story and for me it was simple and it was you know not a lot to the story but so well handled and ambitious in its own way and just really enjoyable it's kind of weird for us to talk about it because it, it's not like we really need to recommend it i'm sure most people have played it so we kind of just played yeah. it now to get ready for last of us 2 which when we're where or like i guess when we're recording this show i guess will be playable tomorrow night so kind of good timing on that point so i'm definitely excited now that i'm a fan of the original after all this time yeah i know you said the combat wasn't anything special and i kind of agree it's just your typical typical third person combat. Um, but I will say this is one of the few games I've played where you never like ever feel comfortable. Like you always have like, you don't have enough ammo 
for any fight you get into any of your melee weapons can break at any time so like you're kind of always on your toes and you really have to stay stealthy you can't really get into like a a full-on shootout in this game yeah that's definitely the best part of the gameplay is just this like you're always checking your ammo and it's like you have a pistol that like you've used all your arrows or something maybe all your sniper ammo and now all you have is three bullets and a pistol and there's nothing you can do about it so your only option is to just really stay stealthy hopefully you can pick off a few guys from behind with a knife or something uh but yeah no it's it's really cool the way they handle those more like open areas where you have to take out all these guys and you can always be stealthy or you can always be all out if you want to waste your ammo but it may hurt you later so that was always really well handled i always appreciated that yeah i thought it was super cool all right well let's uh turn away from video games now and jump into some shows that we've been catching up on uh keith i know you and i uh binged ozark season three when that came out what a show i have to say i mean it's kind of like bringing back like the feelings i had when i was watching breaking bad in a way that show it gets it gets except it's much darker than breaking bad and breaking bad was dark but this one ozark brings it to a different level yeah, I mean, obviously it's going to get compared to Breaking Bad, but I think this season especially was its strongest one yet and definitely uh, puts it on par with Breaking Bad, I think, as a TV show. it's This season's awesome. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. Jason Bateman, he's in, he's incredible. And I haven't really seen him all too much. I've actually only seen him in, like, in comedic roles, really. But I think he really plays um, Marty Bird well. For sure. Yeah, I mean, just like Brian Cranston and Breaking Bad, I couldn't imagine another lead in the show. Uh, Jason Bateman was a perfect casting. Um, and But yeah, for this season specifically, I um, I really like the Casey mob, the Snells family, and the Navarro cartel. Like, I like that they all have like each major roles in this season. Um, and I really like how uh, they're kind of like picked sides now. Um, I think it's really cool. Yeah. And there was definitely some, you know, some of the side characters are really good. Like her, uh, I wish I could remember the actress's name, the guy who plays Wendy Bird's brother. Yeah, uh, he, I, wrote his, I wrote his name down because um, I didn't want to not mention him. But Tom Pelfrey, uh, he gives an incredible performance as Ben Davis. Uh, yeah. He definitely deserves an Emmy for the season. I found his character so uh, believable and just uh, really emotional, too. Like, I felt so bad for him in this, in this season. Yeah. He was just going there to get help, and well, we won't give anything away. But uh, and also the the lawyer, I can't. I wish I could remember her name too. I'm feeling bad. I didn't look at these names before. But uh, Helen Pierce. Yeah, yeah, Helen. That's Helen Pierce. That, that's the character's name. Yeah, she she's creepy. <laughs> she yeah. Whoever she's awesome, her, though. I, I really yeah. like her character. Yeah. But no, they're, I mean they're all creepy in in a, in in a weird way, and how those characters progress from the beginning of the show being like this innocent family. Now they're drug dealers and all that. I mean, it's nuts. Yeah. And I guess, I think the only thing I'll say before we move on is um, the whole Marty bird and Wendy bird, like conflict stuff has been interesting, but I hope uh, that they kind of get away from that in the next couple of seasons. I'm kind of ready for them to start working together as a team because things always work out better for them when they like kind of work together, which I guess is the point of the show, but I'm kind yeah. of over their con over their conflict now. Yeah, I agree with that. I hope they come together and well, I think we won't I don't want to give anything away, but I think, you know, by season four you'll you'll see them come together. Yeah, and I kinda of like that they wrote this season with the intention of there being a season four. Um, so we'll see if Netflix removes it, but I, I feel like they're gonna have to because uh, 
that season was so good. Matthew, recommend it to you. Yeah, Matt, you got to watch it. Yeah, I'll get back into it. I've been meaning to, for sure. Well, Matthew, what did you bring to show us today? I think uh, the main one, I mean, I've only, I've been watching a bunch of stuff, but the only like show that I guess I've binge watched, you know, like start to finish and that all took place during quarantine was like for maybe B, maybe B. I just said that I added an extra B onto the end of maybe. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I hope I didn't offend you. (laughs) Um, No. um, Yeah. I think like for the span of maybe three weeks, like every day after work when I was done with what I was doing, I would just watch community on Netflix and I had never seen it before. Maybe like when it was first on, maybe I caught a couple episodes in passing, but never the full thing. Obviously it's developed like an insane cult following since then. So I finally was like, you know what? I think it had just come to Netflix or been recently added whenever I watched it. So I finally sat down, watched all six, yeah, six seasons. Um, and wow, it, it's just so good. It's so good. It's so funny. It's so heartfelt. I mean, for all, I think all the reasons people like The Office and Parks and Rec, I mean, I think it has all those things. It has just really fun characters that might not always be the best of people, but by the end of that 20-minute episode, you'll at the very least understand where they're coming from or their side of something. Uh, the characters in this much like sometimes, especially Joel McHale's character kind of feels like he's ripped out of like always sunny at times, but he's so good. And the whole cast is great. Do you think it's on the same level as the office in Parks and Rec? I think it's definitely on the same level. Um, is it better? I don't know. Cause I've just like, I've just watched the whole thing. I'd need to sit on it a bit longer, I think, but I think it's easily on the same level. I think the writing's better. I think Dan Harmon as a writer and whatever, I don't know if he wrote everything by himself or if he had other people helping. I'm not sure. I'm sure he did, but he just did a great job. It just feels like smarter. It feels like if you like references, like pop culture references, and it, it just feels like they took bigger swings than The Office and Parks and Rec did. Like it felt like they could do crazier stuff and like with like the premises and the characters and the way the show works in that world. Like they could kind of mess around with it. Like I won't give anything away because again, it, I bet people are just watching it for the first time like I did because it just came to Netflix. But they just, they turn like at the beginning, like the cold open of an episode. It's like, all right, guys, all right, this is the only one I'll give away. There's like a cold open of one episode, I think in the first season where they're like, all right, guys, we're going to have some fun. You know, they're bringing paintball to the campus. So, you know, if you win, then, you know, you get like a hundred bucks. So enjoy. And then like the intro plays. <laughs> and after the intro's done, Joel McHale wakes up in his car and it, they just like the entire show changed from the way they normally shoot it to it looks like a post-apocalypse. It's just like <laughs> there's paint everywhere. Everything's torn apart. And he's like, what happened? I just slept for like an hour in between classes. And then it becomes like a, post-apocalyptic like they're trying to meet back up with each other and like it becomes like a war movie (laughs) it's it's so funny like they do that a lot with this show it's like they'll take things that seem like it's going to be a normal sitcom type thing but then it just becomes something completely different lots of great actors allison Bree, chevy chase donald glover before he became childish gambino um danny pudi who else is in this yvette nicole brown aka helen from drake and josh come on helen Helen, um, give it up to her. That is uh, not my job. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Joel McHale and 
Gillian Jacobs. Everyone's so good. And John's show. in it too, right? And John was in it. He plays yeah. uh, Senor Chang. He's the Spanish teacher. <laughs> He's so funny. I mean, the cast is incredible, just like, you know, other NBC sitcoms like The Office and Parks and Rec. But I feel like I just responded. Maybe I didn't like all the characters as much as those shows, but I just responded more to the writing of this show. Like it has, it has all the same stuff. You know, it has love stories, character interplay. But it, for me, it just always felt like something not going to say better, but just something more interesting was going on with how they wrote the show. Um, the first three seasons I would recommend to everybody. Uh, season four, they kind of changed up leadership a bit. So it become still good. It's just, it becomes more of like a broad comedy. And then five and six, they brought the, they brought Dan Harmon back. And to me, I think there's some controversy. Like people don't like those seasons as much, but I still loved it. I think if you're looking for a show that like never has a dip, maybe a little bit in the fourth season, but to me, it just felt like such a consistent ride for the most part. I loved it. I would recommend it to anybody. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same position that you were in before you watched it because my my wife actually just finished binging it, um, and mm-hmm. I've only seen it in passing. And what I saw made me laugh, so I just need to sit down and watch it. What yeah. a style of show is it? Is it like Parks and Rec and Office, where it's like documentary style, or is it or is it uh, no sitcommy? Yeah, it's definitely more sitcom. There's no talking heads. It's not the mockumentary thing. It's just you know like. The world, the world they're in is real. There's no like fourth wall breaking. Like it's just everything we see is happening. Um, and again, for people that don't know, I mean, it's, I won't really, I mean, the premise is basically just these people are all attending uh, community college and they're, you know, just trying to pass basically. So they form a study group and all the actors I mentioned are part of the study group and just kind of the <laughs> wild stuff that they go on, which again, is cool to me because that premise doesn't like, how's the show going to be like interesting or wild or how can it be that fun? And they just found really cool ways to make it just such an engaging show. And one that like literally when the next episode would like when one would end, I didn't know what the next episode was going to be. I knew I was excited because I love the characters, but they could go on any kind of weird, crazy adventure. And it's just, it's really cool. I'd recommend it for sure. Well, Keith, speaking of the office, I know you just recently uh, finished binging that. Well, I have been binging it, but I'm only in the first season still. So <laughs> <laughs> Austin just rolled his eyes all the way back. This isn't a video, but so I have to, I have to describe to the audience some of these reactions. I didn't know. I didn't know there was controversy. I didn't know that Keith allegedly finished The Office. No, I, never, I never finished The Office. I just like. I just like. No, I am binging it. I am in the first. Season. <laughs> in the first season, I said, though. "I said, guys, come to me with shows you but you've binged during quarantine that you want to watch." And Keith said, "I gotta talk about The Office." He binged five episodes. I didn't say I it. <laughs> the first, the first season, six episodes, and they're twenty minutes. Yeah, you're right. I, I, binged it, though. <laughs> I watched like five episodes in a row. It's binging. That's a binge. Okay, okay, I'll count that. <laughs> So Keith, you have like a, you have 150 episodes left. Who do you like so far? <laughs> have you seen it before, or is this your first time? Well, I had, I had seen uh, random episodes, like going over people's houses and hanging out. I've seen random episodes, but I've never actually started it from the beginning and gone all the way through, like I did uh, Parks and Rec. Where that you know that's kind of what got me into the Office because it's the same you know similar style show and all that. But um, but no, I like all the. I think Steve Carell is hilarious. And it's funny because uh, because I started binging it <laughs> from the first season. He's like fat, and then and then you right when you go into the second season, he, you can tell he like lost all this weight, and uh, 
I was like, I was like, what the hell's going on? And I, was like, and I looked, I was like, oh yeah, see, season two, episode one. That uh, makes sense. He lost a bunch of weight. I was like, why does he look so different? And then um, he also got hair plugs. If I remember right. <laughs> yeah, I noticed he's kind of, he's kind of yeah, yeah. He looks kind of he looks awful in the first season. <laughs> yeah, I think that he really kind of- does. That's why and he like, always he always looks like he's sweating like profusely on his head. Yeah, Only on yeah. his head though, not the rest of his body. That's well, why I was taking it back in the first episode of season two. I was like, what is so different about him? And I noticed like, oh, he lost a bunch of weight and he has hair now. <laughs> uh, but he's well, hilarious. Got, sorry. Season what? season one is definitely the hardest season to get through. So if you made it through that, you're you're in for a great ride, Keith. I love season one. All right. Well, every every week on this show, we're going to have a new segment on this podcast called Keith's Office Binge Check-In. All right. Well, the show that I got into uh, is a detective show on Amazon Prime called Bosch. And I have to give credit to Eliza, Eliza Schlesinger, the comedian, because she was tweeting about it like crazy. And I thought, hey, I'll go check that out. Um, but man, I love this show. It's a it's a, kind of your typical detective show. Um, Titus, Titus Wolliver plays a, car- a detective named Harry Bosch. And each season is a different case. Uh, he's a cop in Los Angeles. Um, he has kind of some past trauma in his life that led him to become a detective. Um, and I just find every single case so interesting. It's a show that I feel like I can't check my phone during, which I appreciate because um, it kind of just lets me check out from my everyday life. And uh, every small detail in the case pays off. And I just find I find the whole show so interesting and exciting. Well, you know what his past trauma was, right? What was that? Well, in the world of Bosch, I heard that The Office was canceled after season one. So he only got to binge the first six episodes, and then he found out there was no more. Well, so. see, so if, if I said, hey, Harry, Harry Bosch, <laughs> please please come to me with a show that you binged during quarantine. And then he said, well, you know, I only saw the first season, but it got canceled. I, I would say that counts because you finished it. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. You're coming around. I'm going to surprise you, Austin, but I actually read a Harry Bosch book by Michael Connolly. Whoa. Yeah, it's based, it's based on a book. I haven't read Did the you book. you binge though. it? I definitely binged that book. Nice. You know, the Harry Bosch series. What, what was the case in the book? I don't remember. I read it like right when it first came out, like 10 years ago. I can't remember <laughs> that book. <laughs> uh, oh, his eyes again. <laughs> But you know, Harry Bosch is the same uh, author from Lincoln. Is it Bosch or Bosch? I hate that you guys are saying it differently. It's, it's Bosch. It's, it's Bochy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What show are we talking about next? Well, Keith, I'm kind of scared to go back to you because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've actually seen the show, but I know you wanted to talk about Hell on Wheels. Oh, I just wanted to give a brief intro to it and hope and recommend it to you guys i think you all would like it and yes i have finished this show it's completed oh, right i have finished it i believe you all would like it it takes place in the uh late 1870s they're building the uh transcontinental railroad uh, so it's like a, it's like a western um yeah I've, I've seen the i've seen the first three seasons of that i watched it when it was like oh, live on, AM, on amc yeah i kind of fell off it though I actually watched the first three seasons too, and then I I fell off, and then I rewatched it and I binged it all the nice. way through. Nice. And I recommend going back and just starting over, rewatch it. I think I think it's a really good show. So highly recommend it. That's all I have to say about that one. I just want to quickly recommend it. Okay, so Matt, I think the last thing we have to talk about before we get into movies is I know you recently went and watched The Witcher. 
I did. I did watch The Witcher. Austin wouldn't shut up about it. So I said, I'm going to be a good friend. And my birthday gift to him is I'm going to watch The Witcher. It was eight episodes. They're all over an hour long. It's got our boy Henry Cavill. It does have Henry Cavill in it. I love Henry Cavill. It was good. It was good? That's all you thought? Just good? That's just fantastic. Yeah, I thought the show was good. I enjoyed it. I found it very confusing. Like, it felt well, they like do they, the multiple timeline thing. Which I didn't realize, which I guess you're not supposed to at first. But, like, yeah, I guess I won't spoil it if anybody wants to watch it. But there has there's some interesting timeline stuff going on, which there was an ep- – I'll just say there was maybe, like, halfway through the show, there was an episode where a character that was dead, I thought, is just in it again. And I was like, what? <laughs> What's happening? And then I, I realized that the show has multiple timelines. It was very confusing. I found the world, like – it kind of felt like Netflix was just trying to make their Game of Thrones. So they were like, just push it all in there. Like, just we need this world to be established. And I kind of felt overwhelmed. Like, it seems like they're trying to make me like, it feels like I already need to know everything, but I don't know anything about this place. Um, but Henry Cavill's great. He's awesome in this role. The combat is really exciting and fun to watch. And then once I got into the second half, like after I understood the timeline stuff, then I found it a lot more compelling. Um and I am excited to see more of it. It is like just a brutal show um, with really cool storylines, like and just fun characters. Like you know, he's so serious all the time, but they surround him with a really good cast of characters and great actors. But the second half is definitely more interesting for me. And I found the cliffhanger at the end of this of season one just very bizarre. So I am excited for season two, though. But I guess it's going to be one of those things. Like once season two starts, I feel like. I feel like it, it took it took them like eight hours plus of a season one to get what I want to to get to what I want to see. So I feel like once season two starts, that's where I'm going to be actually interested in what's going on. Whereas this kind of just feels like a prologue instead of like the start of a story. But we'll see. Maybe I'll change my mind once it comes out. But yeah, the cliffhanger I thought was bizarre. I agree that they I agree that they throw a lot at you at the beginning. I do think I do agree with you. I think the second half is stronger than the first half. But I, I thought the first half still, like, even though they're throwing a lot at you, I still, like, found it really interesting and just only wanted to keep learning more about this world. Maybe that's because I came into it not knowing, like, anything. Um, I After playing the game, I can see why a lot of fans of the game just thought the show was okay. But well, I think if you're just... based on the games, right? It's based on the books. So if there's people that have only played The Witcher 3, then they're probably going to be disappointed that stuff is different or not focused yeah, on... It yeah, it is based on the books, and the show takes place before the game even takes place. Um, right. Yeah. But I, I can, after having gone back and then played the game, I definitely can see why a lot of fans thought it was just okay. It is very different from the games. Um, but I think for a lot of people who had knew nothing about this world, like I did, I think the over, the consensus there is that it's a really good show. So Keith, I heard you mention in there that you watched half of the first episode. Only difference is I went back and finished it. What did you think of that first half? <laughs> Give us your review of the first half of season one of The Witcher. I don't know why I didn't finish it. I mean, all I remember from it was he was running through the woods. He fell into a creek and something was some monster was going after him. That's all I remember. That's the and intro to the first episode. <laughs> talking about hard. the spider? Yeah, the big spider thing. Yeah. That's the first two minutes of the show. <laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> Keith binged the hell out of that first half. I've binged that first few minutes, man. 
it was great. Well, Keith, if you can get through the first episode, um, the first episode does end with one of the coolest fight scenes of the show. Mm, that's true. Mm, cool. I'll have to go back and watch it when I'm done binging the office. Yeah, you got to finish the yeah. entire office first. <laughs> All right. So in seven years, Keith will start The Witcher. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll, I will see you then. All righty. Well, let's get into some movies that we got a chance to catch up, catch up on uh, during lockdown. Um, I know our, I think the first thing that we kind of all got into, and I know Matt was really championing this movie, but it's Uncut Gems. I guess I did. I, I definitely recommended it. Um, but I also just, yeah, I just watched it for the first time in quarantine. I guess this one came out like December of last year. So it's still pretty recent, but I was happy to see it pop up on Netflix because um, I missed it. I just never got got around to seeing it. But such a good movie. I'll always love seeing Adam Sandler. I always, I always, I always love seeing like comedic actors in dramatic roles. So it's cool to see Adam Sandler doing something completely different with like just such a, I mean, the story is pretty simple. He just plays like a serial gambler and like the real life, you know, Kevin Garnett playing Kevin Garnett basically comes in and like Adam Sandler, his character is such a big fan and he shows, he ends up showing him off like this really cool piece and Kevin Garnett's like, I need it. I need it as a good luck charm. And so he's like, he leaves his ring as collateral. And then you start to see like Adam Sandler's character goes and like palms off that ring to get some money so that he can bet on the game. And so everything starts to go wrong from there. Like kind of like all these like, like threads and all these uh, bets he's making all start to pile up. Um, and he has people after him and maybe his family's in danger. Maybe they're not. He's also trying to still maintain his normal life. Um, but it's just, it's not like the most innovative story. It's kind of like some other mob stuff we've seen, but it was just so cool to see Adam Sandler in this role. He's so good in it. It's so, I liked how they cast people like the weekend and Kevin Garnett to make it really feel like this is in the real world, which was, yeah, kind of, that was cool. Yeah. And, uh, and they're playing themselves. And then, I mean, the Safdie brothers who directed good time, which I also watched in quarantine, they directed this. And it's like, they just took such a pretty, I mean, simple story and just made it so compelling with the direction how it's shot the pacing it's like a little over two hours but just how it moves the character interactions and kind of like the way character dynamics are flipped more than you think they would like adam sandler's character for example he has a wife and a family but he also has a mistress i guess you would you would call her i feel like in any other movie it's like he would end up with the wife and the mistress would just be somebody with him for the money but they just flip every dynamic in this movie it's like that mistress is actually a really nice person. It's like genuinely like loves him. And she like, yeah. works for him. like she wants to do a great job. She has her problems. Like she doesn't, she doesn't, she's not always like on time for work, but that's kind of like her biggest transgression. Like everything else she does, she does for the business and for him because she loves him. And then the wife is like, why would I take you back? You're cheating on me. <laughs> Which in any other movie, you know, whenever he has the emotional scene from the trailer, like, come on, give me a second chance. She just laughed in his face. He's like, no. <laughs> I just liked how they grounded it in the real world, this crazy mob story involving like like underground gambling starring Adam Sandler. It's just, it's so cool. I, I loved it. I thought it was a blast. Yeah, I think Adam Sandler's great. Um, really great in this movie. And I don't think this movie would, would work if it wasn't for the writing because this movie mm -hmm. basically hinges on dialogue or every scene where it's just people talking is really interesting in this film and you're kind of hooked on every word that the characters are saying mm -hmm. and i came into this movie with really low 
expectations because um, I didn't find the trailers that exciting whenever they were marketing this movie. And I was just kind of like, oh, wow, Adam, Adam Sandler is trying to get away from comedy. Um, but this movie blew me away. I, I really enjoyed it. And like you said, that's it's like two and a half hours, but it, it goes by quick. It went went by really fast and I was watching it. It had me nervous the entire time. Oh my I was, god! I was on my toes. Like, makes you feel for people, either either people who are actual like uh, gambling addicts or people who are married to gambling addicts. It makes you feel for those people. Like, god dang, that's yeah, mm, that's a hard business to like be in and and continue. Yeah, to do. yeah it's crazy. It's an addiction, or it's a real addiction. Yeah, I think a lot of people. Yeah, I think people nowadays like understand alcoholism as an addiction. You know, they understand maybe even sex addicts, like maybe to a lesser extent than like alcoholism and drug addiction and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, gambling is just another addiction and seeing that in such a real way. And oh my God, this is like, oh, if you have anxiety, you might not want to watch this movie. Like, like real talk. I mean, yeah. it's, like we said, it's like two plus hours and it's just, it's so tense. <laughs> yeah. This movie really stressed me out. Um, I was watching it with my wife and she was like, I got to stop watching this. It's stressing me out too much. So she just went up and went upstairs and <laughs> looked up the ending. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say about the ending, if you're someone that like, if that's the kind of thing that it's like makes you want to watch something, I thought the ending of this movie was just, just amazing. Chef's kiss, yeah. if you will. Yeah. It's just, it makes so much sense for the world. It makes so much sense for these characters. And even though, like, if I, and I won't say it, I won't spoil it, because again, it's on Netflix. Like, if I just said what the ending was, people would be like, how is that satisfying? But somehow, it, it was. And it's also yeah. so It's really satisfying. Yeah, you're right characters involved it feels satisfying in a weird way for like the heroes quote unquote and villains it's so bizarre i don't know how they pulled it off it's so good all right well the next film that uh i think all three of us uh caught up on was 1917 oh yes yeah i'll leave you guys to talk about this one because i i saw it in theaters so i guess this is probably one of the last movies i got to see before quarantine so I'd already seen it, but yeah, what were your guys' thoughts on this one? I thought it was great. Um, might have been a little overhyped for me with, you know, this came out during award season, so it got a lot of buzz then. Um, obviously, the thing that makes this movie talked about is the whole, like, it's filmed to be one cut for the entire film, and I think that dynamic works really well. Um, I like that it's kind of slower paced, uh, kind of just like World War One was more of like a slower inch-by-inch inch war. Um, I also like the World War One setting. Um, so I think it's a great film overall. Overall, um, I think that all the performances are great. Um, that the last like twenty minutes of this film are like just heart racing and pounding, and you're just rooting for all the characters. Um, but yeah, it was a great watch. Definitely great to watch at home for sure while you're in lockdown. Yeah, Keith, what do you think? Same as Uncut Gems. I was nervous the entire time. Shit was blowing up all over the place. I mean, it's it's. It, I think it portrayed war in a very in World War One in a very real way, you know, with them being in the dishes. And I thought the, um, I, I wish I knew their names, the British actors who played those parts did a really good job. And uh, overall, it was a good, really good story. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like that when something like emotional happens in this film because it's all filmed to look like one cut, like you're just kind of forced to sit with the characters. Where, like, in other films, like something emotional would happen, somebody would die, and then you get like maybe a minute with them, and then it cut to another scene. Yeah. Um, maybe with like some other characters in it, but in this movie, you're if some if something happens and somebody dies, like you're stuck to just sit with that character and his grief for the rest of the movie. And I think it's a really, really good dynamic for this film. 
Yeah, there's a lot of silence in this movie with characters that they sit on and kind of make you reflect like they are. <clears throat> Ultimately, I think looking back on it, I think it's just a movie that everybody should see for the filmmaking of it, for the camera work, for just what Roger Deakins, uh, the director of photography, put into this movie. I mean, the way it's shot, like it's just baffling, like how they handled it sometimes. And then finding out a lot of the stuff they were using was actually like visual effects that they snuck in to like hide some stuff and then like just make the backgrounds all that more compelling. But yeah, overall, I think, you know, I thought the story was fine. War movies aren't my favorite genre just because I think for me, it's gotten to a point where they feel so like samey some of the time. Um, there's only so much you can do with war movies, especially ones like this, but I thought they did a, you know, a really great job exploring World War One, which is, I feel like we don't get a lot of World War One in media. So it was cool to see the slower pace of this one. But yeah, overall for me, I mean, I think the reason I see it's the way it's shot, not much else for me personally. It, it did feel like other war movies, but I think the thing that you mentioned earlier, Austin, that, that the, uh, the one take camera was mm -hmm. really what made this film, I think. For sure. Yeah, anybody that's a fan of filmmaking uh, should definitely go see this film if you haven't already. Yeah, I'd agree. Okay, so now the last film we have on our list today uh, is one of my personal favorites of the year, and that's Jojo Rabbit. Weird movie. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, speaking of war, I actually, there you go. Speaking of a war movie I actually really liked. I mean, this one takes kind of tropes we've seen before, character dynamics we've seen before, and makes it somehow like more emotional like it has like the emotional impact of movies like schindler's list but then it also is just really funny at times <laughs> so it's so yeah. weird i found this movie heartwarming um i found parts of it really funny um and i also like the fact that it i guess you maybe could classify it as a comedy but they also then don't like shy away from really just how rough it was to live in world war ii germany during this time Mm -hmm. yeah. no, I agree. It, it kind like, of had that inglorious bastards kind of feel to it for me. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sometimes, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they have Taika Waititi, who wrote and directed it, also playing Hitler in the movie, and it's like really funny, is just still weird. It's just weird to even think about. It could have not hit at all. It could have been, it could have come off as insensitive. It could have been terrible. I think in anybody else's hands, it probably would have come off that way. But I think because yeah. it's Taika Waititi directing this film and then also playing that role. Um, I think that's the main reason it works. Yeah. Cause they also make it sad, even though like you're laughing at the stuff he's saying, it's also sad because you realize the, the premise for like the reason that he's in the movie is because this young kid, this young German kid, you know, worships Hitler. So it's like he, his imaginary friend, his idol is, you know, Hitler. So this is the way he perceives him. He perceives Hitler to be this really kind of cool and fun person. Uh, so it's kind of sad, even though like he's making, like, he's cracking jokes. Like you feel sad watching it too, because you can imagine like these, a lot of these children, I mean, looked up to this person because that's the way that they were programmed. So it's really sad. Yeah. And uh, the, the kids in this film are great. It's, it's usually hard to get good performances from child actors, but mm -hmm. I think, I think every member of this cast just does so well in this film. Yeah, it's great. Cast is great. It's funny when it needs to be. It's really sad and affecting when it needs to be. And just the relationships between characters is just so exciting to watch. And the fact that they make so many of these characters who you would never feel for in other movies, somehow they did. I don't know how they did it, but it seems like a feat. And it's crazy that it was pulled off without feeling, at least for me, not feeling like 
at least not offensive in the typical sense. It's not like I mean I didn't find the movie offensive in, in its what is what would it in what it was portraying, but maybe some people did. But I thought that they pulled it off in a way that felt heartwarming, which I don't understand how they did with the subject material. So good for them. Yeah, Keith, you mentioned Inglorious Bastards. For me, this film kind of remind reminded me of the Kings of Summer. This reminded me of Kings of Summer. Shit. Yeah, with Moises. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what part of King of Summer did it remind you of? I guess just like kind of the child dynamic and the the like camp dynamic at the beginning. I don't know because oh, yeah. this was kind of a coming of age story, and so is Kings of Summer. Oh, I feel that. It has, it has like I'm sure people could say a bunch of different movies that it reminds them of, and it probably has some piece of that. It does have that like a, the uh, the imaginary part of it mm-hmm. for sure? Yeah. yeah. So no, yeah, lots of recommendations here and all sorts of different media, but lots of good stuff. Well, since we're on the subject of movies, I do want to know, um, how do you think this whole coronavirus pandemic is going to impact theaters going forward? I can think about right now, me being a big Bond fan, they've moved back the release date of the new Bond movie like four times now. So that's been kind of frustrating, but I know why. Yeah. Um, I mean, they want to make the most money they can off of it, so they're probably going to wait till the theaters can get full again. Right, exactly. That's, I mean, that's got to be what it is. Yeah, so it's going to affect things for a long time because, you know, people are just now able to start filming some things, but probably not everything. So this is going to push back stuff, like, for probably a couple of years. We'll see the ramifications still. But in terms of theaters, I think that's the more pressing thing that people are worried about because... How are they going to stay open? Can they stay open? How long is this going to go if there's a second wave that people are talking about with, you know, COVID? Like, um, if this ha- if we have to go into lockdown again, can the theaters maintain another round of this? And the answer is probably no. But we'll see what happens. There's still some movies that are trying to come out this summer. I know Tenet is still the big one. It got pushed back two weeks. So it's still supposed to come out at the end of July. Um, but we'll see. Um I think we will see regardless. I think we may see options for movies to come out. Even after theaters are open, we might still see video on demand become a big thing like it has now. Like we watched um, The Way Back. Was that the Ben Affleck basketball coach alcoholism movie? Like that movie had just come out. And so we paid like 20 bucks to watch it like a bunch of us did. Um, So it's like, yeah, you're still paying more money but you're watching movies that may also be in theaters or would have been in theaters and now you're watching them like six months sooner so it's kind of a trade-off my guess is that's going to continue in some form like maybe we'll see options for movies to be in theaters but maybe they'll also come out on demand and you just pay a bit more i'm not sure i would have to imagine that's going to exist for a while in some form though yeah i don't i don't think there's really any way you can go back to having packed theaters again until there is a vaccine um i just don't know how one, yeah, I don't know how the movie theaters could do that and then not open them open themselves up to like liability issues, but then also just like for just the whole point of feeling safe. Like I don't know how you can go to a packed theater and then also feel safe in that environment. Yeah, it's you're pretty compact in the theater. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They're, they're like, limiting seats, I guess. I mean, spacing yeah. people like three seats yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's just how they'll police that because it's like not that anybody would. Maybe not right now, but who knows? I mean, like you they could police it that way. But then is there someone that stands in a theater, like enforcing that? Cause like once they go in, like, do they sit in that seat or do they just get closer if they're together or who knows? I don't know. And um, then I know for like sports events, they're talking about like 
having temperature checks and all that. So maybe somehow that gets implemented, but I don't know how yeah, to do that on a mass level. That's why they're going to do it and televise it, but there won't be audiences, which is obviously not something you can do with movie theaters, obviously. Yeah. The whole purpose is for an audience. Like I can watch a sports match at home and like the players are the ones, you know, putting their lives on the line in terms of the virus, but going to a theater, it's like my only option is to be like the only person in the row and maybe I'll feel safe or I can spend a little bit more money and just watch it at home. And like the trade-off is the quality and the picture won't be as good because it won't be projected on a huge screen with great sound, but may at least I'll feel safer. Yeah, the the theater industry is going to be a tough one because it's like restaurants, you can go sit outside, but theaters, it's like, how do they change it? How do they enforce it for people to feel safe? And the answer is I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, even if the COVID wasn't going on, I think it would still be a question if the theaters going to stay open, like because of all the streaming services and everything like that. But uh, I feel like the, the theater experience is still something people like to do, you know, go and see the big screen, have the warm, buttery popcorn and all that still. Yeah, I, I love going to the movies. That's like one of the big things I miss about pr- life prior to this new reality. Exactly. I'm yeah. right yeah. All right. Well, I think that's just gonna just about going to do it for us today. Um, I do want to know, though, is there anything you guys, anything else you guys are planning to watch in this lockdown at the moment? Um, I know for me, I'm planning to uh, watch Bosch. I want to watch Community. Um, I want to watch The Clone Wars on Disney Plus, and my wife's been begging me to watch Avatar, so I'm gonna have to watch that at some point too. Mm, Avatar. The Last Airbender. The Last Airbender. Wow. Um, let's see. I don't know. I don't know. What I'm gonna watch. I think I've, I've always been kind of wanting to watch or like see if I like The Clone Wars as well, so I might dip into that. Um, as for shows, I'm not sure. Like I said, I just like I literally just finished The Witcher, and you loved every minute of it loved it can't wait for more uh i'll do last of us too is that's a game obviously um but who knows there's a lot uh, i'll continue watching the office for sure that's mm-hmm. a funny one i'll continue binging it <laughs> i do more than one season in a few weeks uh i'll probably give the witcher another try instead of watching the first two minutes <laughs> i want to see what happens after that spider fight you want to see after the logo comes on screen. <laughs> um, maybe give community a try once I get done with the office. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess then move on from there. Yeah, lots of good stuff out there. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Um, thank you everybody so much for listening today. Um, please go ahead and subscribe to our channel. As always, um, make sure you like and leave us a review. Um, we are still trying to grow this place. And the more reviews and likes we get, uh, the better we can grow on on all the podcast apps. Um, the Arnie's.media is the website, and at the Arnie's is our social. We'll be back next week when we've got nothing better to do. Bye, everyone. <laughs>